Welcome to Simple Heart. This is your host, Calvin and Jean. And tonight we're going to talk about a familiar topic, the body of Christ. I'm sure you have heard this terminology in multiple arenas, maybe inside the church or outside the church. So tonight our text is taken from Romans chapter 12, reading from verse 1 to verse 21. And we're going to read 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. Instead of just focusing on just one verse in the chapter, we're going to learn a little bit on the whole chapter. So I'm going to read you tonight first from Romans 12, reading from verse 1 to 21. And it reads thus, And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Measure yourself by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is given, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility serious. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think that you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Their friends never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. The second portion of scripture that I would like to read is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, reading from verse 12 to 27. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, 
and some are free, but we all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot say, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies are many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that each honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffer, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of him. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles. Seconds are prophets, thirds are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown language. Are all prophets? Are all apostles? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown language? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown language? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gift. But now, let me show you a way of life that is best of... Therefore, the body of Christ is a common yet complex term used in the Christian faith. Some may initially think we are talking about the physical body of Christ as in his human form of unhurt. But the term body of Christ actually refers to the members of his church. Throughout history, who or what is the body of Christ? The body of Christ is the church, made up of all those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Each Christian then is a part of the body of Christ. Actually, sometimes you know, when we take communion, we always refer to the communion as this is a representation of the body of Christ as we saw Jesus do in the book of Luke when he was, before he went to the cross and he had the last supper with his disciples. He took the bread and says, this is my body, which is broken. So tonight we're not really talking about the communion aspect. We want to talk about the, the global church, which represent the body of Christ. So the body of Christ, like all bodies, compared, comprised of many parts. Their limbs, organs, and various members that, when left alone, are useless. But when assembled, make up the entire body. And 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 14, describe it like this. The body is a unit. 
though it is made up of many parts and though all parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is made up of one part, but of any, of many. This means each Christian is an equal part of the body of Christ. So that's important that we ought to know that each Christian is an important part of the body. You have an important role to play in the body of Christ as a part of the body. The body is to operate as one unit, doing different things, but working towards the same goal and purpose. This operation is called unity. And what is unity? The state of being one, oneness, whole or totality has combined all its parts into one. The state or fact of being united or combined into one as the part of a whole. Unification, absent of diversity, unvaried or uniform character, oneness of mind, feeling, etc., as among a number of persons, concord, harmony, or agreement. According to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, 21, 26, we all need each other in order for the body to function in its proper order and perspective. This is where we all need each other to operate because God has designed it to be so. So God has designed the body to operate as one unit. Even though we may have different gifts and different responsibilities, different purpose, different function, God has designed the body to operate in unison. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed many, first of all apostles, seconds prophets, thirds teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration and those speaking in different kinds of language or different kinds of tongue. And this is in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 28. Each Christian possessed a gift and is called to use it in service within the body, to build up the body of Christ, to strengthen the body of Christ, and to carry out his purpose within the world. Each member of the body of Christ is also called to serve the church through his or her natural gifts and ability. This service is offered out of devotion to Christ for the sacrifice he made on the cross, providing them with eternal life in heaven, the diversity of gifts, each supporting the other, making the body strong. So what is the purpose of each member of the body? As a part of the church, what can you do to enhance the body of Christ? The body is a holy entity, and needs to be respected and treated with complete honor and care. The Bible provides several actions, principles, to build up the body of Christ. You are called to promote truth and unity. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully up to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. You are called to service. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11, outline the importance of using your God-given spiritual gift. Your gift is unique and equally important, and it's essential to the body that you use your special gift in the service of the church. And one of the most things that we realize that we see that most people just depend on the, the leadership team or the pastoral team 
to do all the work in, church, in the church. But God has called each and every member of the body of Christ because God has equipped you with a special gift. And because of your special gift, God needs you to do what he has called you to do. He has called you to service. We are all called to the service in the body. You are called to worship. Oh, this is such an awesomeness that God has created us to worship him. You are called to worship. It is good to praise the Lord and to make noise to your name, O Most High. To proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness of night. Psalms 92, 1-2. Oh, it's such an awesomeness that to know that I was created by God to worship him. He, it brings me back to mind in the book of Revelation where the angels 24-7 sit before God and worship him. They cry, holy, holy. So I want to be like the angels to worship God in the morning, worship God at night, worship God during my tenure of the daily work. I want to give God the praise. Come on, somebody, can you say hallelujah? Glory be to God. God, I love you. I just love this part when it comes to worship. Oh, I love to worship Jesus. Uh, I love to worship you, Father. Father, I love to worship you. You are awesome. I worship God. You are called to love each other. And this is so important in the body of Christ. Because he says, the world will know that we are his disciple when we love one another. In 1 John 4, 11, say, dear friends, since God so love us, we ought to love one another. So we ought to love one another in the body of Christ. What is the purpose of the gifts in the body? Romans 12, 6 to 8 declare we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophecy, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is a leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. What has God called you to do? I ask you this question today as a member of the body of Christ. What has God called you to do? Has he called you for a purpose? I know for the fact that God has created you for a purpose because he has created me for a purpose. He has given me a voice to decree and to declare his word to the nation. He has called me as a mouthpiece. He has called me to deliver his word. I am his messenger. That's all I am to God. I am his messenger that when he gives me a word, I declare it to the nations. I declare it to the world because God has blessed me immensurable with the gift of exhortation, ah, the gift of prophecy, to speak his word, to read the word of God, because reading the word of God is prophesying, because it's the word of God. So what has God called you to do? So let me read you one more scripture from Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 16, and it reads thus, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us, who were slave to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our heart, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are a child, God made you his here. Before you Gentiles knew God, 
you were slaves to so-called gods that did not exist. So now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slave once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of the world? You are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or season or year. I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become like you Gentiles, free from these laws. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as I thought I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I am sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy? Because I'm telling you the truth, these false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They are trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. So it is with Christ's body. We're many part of one body, and we all belong to each other. So it's important for us to know that the body of Christ represents the universal church. Tonight we're going to break it here. We're going to break this down into a two-part series. Next week, we're going to continue on the subject and the topic of the body of Christ. So we want to get a fully understanding of what the body of Christ is. And Christ wants you to be a part of the body. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would love for you to be a part of the body of Christ. I would love for you to just say this simple prayer after me. Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sin and you rose from the dead. I turn, my, turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Brothers and sisters, if you pray this simple prayer, you're saved. You're now part of the body of Christ. So thank God. I pray that God will strengthen you that you will be able to join us next week for the continuation of talking about the body of Christ. It's an interesting topic, and I, interest, and I invite you to invite others because we're going to have a serious discussion about the body of Christ. God bless. Have a good night. Have a good day.